weeks, we are at the moment going through a series called, uh, called Own the Vision, where we are speaking uh, about the things that God is calling us to in the, in the future. Uh, but this morning, what we're going to be doing is taking a quick sidestep from the different things that we've been discussing in, uh, in a way that we might understand that it's not just our church that is on mission here um, as, a, as a group, but also individually when we are scattered into our various uh, workplaces and homes. And, uh, and clubs and different things. In every aspect of our life, we are to be sent on mission uh, to, uh, to be able to do God's will and to be his witnesses wherever we go. Now, the reason that we've called this series Own the Vision is because this is something that we are owning together. This is not just something that has come through the leadership of the church or has come through the staff or anything like that, but there have been times together uh, particularly last year where we spent uh, seeking God and, uh, and trying to uh, discern where he is calling us to in the, in the future. Uh, but before we can get to the stage of next week of speaking about vision, there have been some, uh, some building blocks that we need to go through to be able to reach that place that are foundational to understanding where God is going to be calling us. And first week of this series that we've been going through, we began with this first building block, which is understanding our mission, the why question. Why do we exist? is the most foundational question that we can have answered for ourselves moving forwards. And the reason that the why is important is because we don't want to start drifting away from the things that God has, uh, has called us to. We don't want the church to just start looking like any other group in the world. And we saw that our mission here, our church's mission is to reflect what's said in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, that we exist to experience and share the life, freedom, and hope found in Jesus. Then we went on last week uh, to answer the next most important question. Who are we? What are the things that define us? What is the flavor of Brackenridge Baptist Church when you come into this place? What are the things that we value? How has God uniquely shaped our church to be able to carry out our mission of experiencing and sharing the life, freedom and hope found in Jesus? And we saw that the way that God has made up our church, the five values that God has given to our church, is that we are to be a family. We value family here. We believe that church is more than a place. It's a family where we find our true sense of belonging. We value grace in our church. Everyone is welcome here. No matter what your past, you are welcome with us. We value diversity. We don't all look the same and we celebrate that. We see beauty in being united and loving in our diversity. We value authenticity. We believe in being genuine with one another. And church is the place that we can be our most authentic, real and honest selves with each other. And we also value advancements. We believe that the church should be on the move. We're not going to get comfortable or complacent. We will go wherever God calls us to go. And next week, as we look to Vision Sunday, we'll be seeing this final uh, building block of where God is leading us to in the future. But as I said, today what we're doing is taking a quick sidestep from our previous trajectory. 
um, because one of the problems that we can face when we think about uh, things like mission, values, and vision is if we only think about who we are uh, made up together here as a, as a church and where God is leading us together, it can be very, very easy for us to think that the only spiritual place or spiritual space that we have is when we are here in the church together and separate what happens here from the rest of our lives. Now, there is no such distinction made in Scripture from what happens here to the rest of our lives. Everything is considered spiritual that happens in the life of the believer. Work is inherently spiritual. Rest is inherently spiritual. Family is inherently spiritual, etc., Everything in our life has a spiritual element and God wants to work through every single part of our life. And because all of life is inherently spiritual, the spiritual nature of what happens here at church has an impact as we go out into our everyday lives. Now, the way that we often phrase, the way that we often speak about this uh, this spiritual aspect impacting our lives is through this word, mission. What takes place here together is we are renewed spiritually, we are equipped with the word of God and empowered to uh, be able to share the word of God and then we are sent out to live this in our everyday lives and the word that is often used here is mission and broadly speaking uh, we often speak about mission in two different categories broadly speaking. These two different categories of the gospel demonstrated and the gospel being proclaimed, these two different aspects of mission, and both of these are essential in the life of the believer. In Matthew 25, verses 37 to 40, then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Here, Jesus is making it really, really clear that there is a demonstration aspect of the gospel for in the life of uh, every single believer. It's incredibly clear from Jesus that our relationship with him should impact our interactions with other people. We should demonstrate the gospel in our actions that we have with other people. Because Jesus laid his life down for us, we should be willing to lay down our life for others. Because Jesus showed ultimate generosity by giving us his life, we should be willing to give to others. Because Jesus came to bring hope to the whole world, we should take an interest in bringing hope to people from all around the world. So this is one aspect of mission, the gospel being demonstrated. However, you'll also see that through Jesus' ministry, the gospel being demonstrated, his healings and giving to the poor and sharing with the vulnerable, that is also coupled with the gospel being proclaimed. And this is where the Great Commission comes in. This is what Jesus told every single believer to do. The Great Commission was one of the final moments that Jesus had with his disciples here on earth. And in that moment, he commissioned them with a... 
with a message to be able to share. In Matthew 28, 16 to 20, one of the most well-known passages of scripture, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This great commission that, uh, that Jesus gave to his disciples when he, uh, when he was finishing his ministry here on earth There are four different verbs that are shared throughout the Great Commission. There is go, there is make disciples, there is baptize them, and there is to teach them. And all of these different verbs are important as we understand the Great Commission. But there is one imperative that that Jesus gives to his disciples when um, when he is giving the Great Commission. An imperative is the word that the whole rest of the Uh, of the passage hangs around and the uh, imperative that is given here is to make disciples. So the reason that is so important is it is uh, is something that Jesus is giving his disciples in saying to them to be a disciple you are also a disciple maker. It comes together. Being a disciple uh, is Uh, imperative to to being a disciple is also being a a disciple uh, maker. Jesus, uh, he goes on when he, uh, uh, during his his ministry, um, uh, during his uh, his ministry, he he gives his uh, his disciples this uh, this commission to be able to do this and then through the book of Acts we see all of the different ways that this uh, this begins to take place in the early church. And also throughout the New Testament, we begin to see different reasons of why uh, the gospel being proclaimed is important for, uh, for every believer to take part in. And the three reasons of the gospel being proclaimed uh, that we see throughout the New Testament, the first reason is a salvation of the world. Why proclaim the gospel? That is the, probably the reason that we think of most often when we think about sharing the gospel that we might see those in our families, in our neighborhood, in our workplaces to come into relationship with Jesus. So that's the first reason of why proclaiming the gospel is important. This is uh, one of the reasons that why, uh, why Jesus gave the Great Commission. The second reason is the building up of the church, that we might join together using our gifts and be united when we leave this place on mission, uh, on the mission that God has called us to. And the third reason uh, is the glory of God. We were created to bring honor and glory to God, and this is not simply um, our earthly purpose, but our eternal purpose. This is, uh, we desire that there would be more people worshiping God for all of eternity, along with uh, every single one of us. And this is so important in our nation that we are, uh, are in right now. Some statistics around the nation of us here in, in Australia and why this is so important. Uh, we currently have around 24.6 million, uh, million people and out of that, uh, roughly a little bit under 4 million are currently regular 
church attenders and, uh, and about a little over 20 million currently have no affiliation with, uh, with a church. Now, this is not uh, statistics around genuine followers of Jesus. This is not statistics around people who identify as a follower of Jesus. Um, roughly even today, about 50% of people in Australia would identify as a follower of Jesus. And yet we see... Uh, with, in Jesus' teaching that there are multiple people who will claim that they are a follower of Jesus and yet at the end of all things, Jesus will say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. That, uh, so we, we don't really know the number of, uh, of people who are genuine followers of Jesus. Whoa, God showing his power. There we go. If you're joining with us online, I hope you heard that one. That was a, that was a big one. So we don't really know the, uh, the genuine number of followers of, uh, of Jesus in our, in our country at the moment. Um, but one thing that we can be assured of is that there is a, a huge mission field around us where we are right now. There are so, so, so many people who desperately need to hear the good news of Jesus. And this is why Jesus has given every single one of us this commission to be able to share his gospel with people and to be able to make disciples. This is why Jesus has told us, therefore, having gone wherever you are, no matter what sphere of life you're in, make disciples. And how do we do this? How do we make disciples? Uh, I just want to give you a one key tip to what helps us be on mission for Jesus before we, we spend some time in, uh, in prayer for, for different people. Uh, a few different passages of scripture I think just really help us to understand the key to effective mission. In Acts 1 verse 14, we see the believers pray together before they are chosen. In Acts 2 verse 1, the believers are meeting, likely praying together before the Spirit comes at Pentecost and 3,000 people become Christians in that moment. In Acts 2 verse 42, the believers devote themselves to prayer and daily people are being added to their number. In Acts 3 verse 1, Peter and John go to the temple and pray straight after a man, a pers- uh, a man is healed and becomes a follower of Christ. Acts 4.31, the believers are gathered together in prayer and the place that they are in is shaken and they speak the word of God boldly and their faith... and their faith boldly. In Acts 6, verse 4, Stephen is selected after prayer, and straight after it says the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. In Acts 7, Stephen is stoned by the Sanhedrin, and this church is scattered. This furthers the reach of the disciples outside of Jerusalem. In Acts 10, verse 9, Peter prays and God leads him to the Roman centurion who becomes a Christian. In Acts 12 verse 5, the church prays for Peter in prison and an angel comes and frees him. In Acts 13 verse 3, Paul and Barnabas are prayed for and go out and make numerous disciples as they go. In Acts 16 25, Paul and Silas are in jail and pray and worship. Then their chains come undone and they lead their jailer to the Lord. So the key of an effective mission that we see all through the book of Acts is God's people praying together. That sounds super easy. I know that there are uh, courses and books and things all around uh, around how we can be uh, effective on mission for Jesus. But really, the way of being on mission for Jesus that we see throughout the book of Acts is actually quite simple. God's people praying together 
meeting together, worshipping together, and then going out and making disciples. I know that sounds incredibly basic and incredibly easy, but that is the pattern that we see all throughout the book of Acts, just simply responding to what God has called us to do. And this is why what we do here is important as we worship and we pray together and as we encourage one another, have fellowship together, and then as we go out, then we are sent on mission for Jesus into all different spheres of our life.